November is the month of remembrance. The fourth Saturday of November is the day to commemorate the Holodomor, the systemic famine that Joseph Stalin implemented in Ukraine in 1932-33, starving and killing millions of Ukrainians. My name is Elina Alem, and you're listening to Free Ukraine, a podcast with Ukrainska Pravda that covers the events that are occurring in Ukraine, Donbass, and Crimea. I was dying of hunger twice. The first time, when I was seven years old, my mother said to me, do not go outside for they will eat you. The second time I was dying of hunger, this time in a concentration camp that no one survived. I turned to God. I looked up at the sky and asked, God, please help me. Just give me some bread, nothing else. For bread is life. That was Mykola Onyshenka, a survivor of Holodomor. Holod means hunger, more extermination. The Holodomor is one of the major genocides of the 20th century. Estimates of those killed range from 3 to 10 million victims. The broader Soviet famine lasted from 1931 to 1934. The famine in lands where Ukrainians lived occurred from 1932 to 1933. Stalin created a deadlier Ukrainian famine through specific political decrees aimed at areas inhabited by Ukrainians, not just in what is now central and eastern Ukraine, but also including the Kuban region of the Caucasus. The Kuban is technically part of Russia, but was settled by ethnic Ukrainians dating back to when Russian Empress Catherine the Great dissolved the Zaporizhian Sich and moved the Ukrainian Cossacks to the Kuban in 1775. The 1932 harvest was abundant, to no surprise. Central Ukraine is one of the most fertile lands in the world, known for its rich black earth. But families and neighbors still watched each other slowly die as communist officials confiscated all their food. Stalin's targeted genocide was to break the back of the Ukrainian nation, to get rid of the Ukrainians resistant to communist rule. At the height of the famine, in the spring of 1933, the average death toll was 24 per minute, 1,440 per hour, and 34,560 per day. The exact number of how many million people died is still debated. Given the lies and suppression of knowledge of an action carried out by Stalin's secret police, known at the time as the NKVD, it is difficult to determine with precision a number for this tragic period of time. Russia today continues to deny the Holodomor occurred and attempts to erase knowledge of the horror from history. several methods that the Soviet Union and modern Russia have used to suppress history. Outright Denial In 1932-33, the Soviet government denied outright the existence of the famine that they had been implementing across Ukraine and the Kuban region of the Caucasus. The government refused offers from international aid such as the Red Cross on the grounds that there was no famine. 
Stalin feted New York Times correspondent Walter Duranti, who won a Pulitzer Prize for his writings from Moscow that denied the existence of famine in Soviet Ukraine and countered the accurate reporting of Welshman Gareth Jones, who witnessed the deaths with his own eyes. Domestically, the discussion of the famine was forbidden in the Soviet press. Soviet historical accounts of the 1930s contained no accounts of the Holodomor. Few records remain of the tragic events of 1932-33, as under communism it was forbidden to speak, write, paint, or photograph the concealed history. Disinformation. Russia, whether Imperial Russia before 1917, the Soviet Union from 1917 to 1991, or Russia since the breakup of the Soviet Union, has long been an expert in manipulating international understanding of Russian realities. We often refer to that effort these days as disinformation. But Russia is, after all, the land of Potemkin, Catherine's general and reputed lover who built fake villages to create the appearance of prosperity when Catherine traveled to Crimea after Imperial Russia illegally annexed the peninsula in 1783. The USSR covered the famine in Ukraine by referring to food difficulties. The Soviet media attacked any reporter or foreigners speaking out about the issue, like Gareth Jones, with criticism and slander. Pulling a page from 18th century Potemkin, Soviet authorities again literally built model villages. The fake villages were used to trick foreign visitors touring the USSR to show that all was well. Authorities would stock the villages with food and other items to make it all look prosperous. Starved villagers were replaced by healthy performers and loyal party members until the foreigners left. Once there were no more foreign eyes, the food would be taken away. Manipulating privileges for foreigners. The government would cancel journalists' visas if their work was deemed not regime-friendly and threaten their career. If they were satisfied and painted in a positive light, then the journalist would be given extra privileges. Walter Durante is the most infamous case. Sound familiar? Denial. Russia denies that they sent troops into Crimea in February of 2014 after citizens report tanks and unidentified military personnel entering the borders and military bases. Disinformation. Russia holds a fake referendum in Crimea in March of 2014, resulting in allegedly 97% in favor of joining the Russian Federation, with reported voting turnout numbers for Sevastopol at 120% of the population, including children. The Russians did not even bother with believability when they falsified results. More realistic numbers would be 30-40% to 40 turnout, with only 50% of those voting in favor. Meanwhile, many Crimeans at the time refused to even leave their homes as Russian forces patrolled the streets with tanks and armed personnel. Five years on, Russia maintains its claim that Crimeans wanted to be a part of the Russian Federation and that there are no issues on the peninsula, as they continue to detain and send anti-Russian Crimeans and Crimean Tatars to prison for two to five years for stating so on their social media or even owning a Ukrainian flag. Manipulating privileges. Russia detains journalists visiting Crimea who have criticized their actions. Russia sponsors an American journalist from LA to visit Crimea who writes the Federation in a positive light. Am I the only one seeing a pattern here? Anyway, back to the Holodomor and systemic genocide. You would think a genocide of this scale would be more well-known, yet recognition remains far from universal. With the intense disinformation campaigns by the USSR and Russia, it's been an uphill battle for the Holodomor to be recognized as a genocide. 
former President Viktor Yushchenko was the first to officially recognize the Holodomor as such and promote national memory of tragedy as a key element in forming national identity. In November of 2010, a confidential U.S. diplomatic cable leaked as part of WikiLeaks revealed that Russia had allegedly pressured its neighbors not to support the designation of the Holodomor as a genocide at the United Nations. This past August, President Vladimir Zelensky also called for Israel to recognize the Holodomor. Russia's deputy ambassador in Tel Aviv, Leonid Frolov, warned Israel that it would not be a good time to discuss this proposal by threatening to change the military strategy against Israel if the bill were passed. On October 21, 2019, the German foreign ministry opposed a petition recognizing the Holodomor genocide on the grounds that the concept of genocide was not defined until 1951, according to Arnold Watz, a lawmaker with the ruling Christian Democratic Union Party. So far, there are at least 16 countries that have officially recognized the Holodomor as genocide. The U.S., Australia, Canada, Estonia, Hungary, Mexico, Poland, and the Vatican are among them. Certain organizations continue to work towards wider recognition of the Ukrainian genocide. Well, my name is Morgan Williams. I'm the president of the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council. I first came to Ukraine in the fall of 1992, and most all my work since then has been on the economic development uh, of Ukraine. On November 19th, the supervisory board of the Holodomor Museum, one of whose members is Onyshenko, the survivor of the Holodomor quoted at the start of this podcast, hosted a The Road to Truth campaign for the creation of the National Holodomor Museum in Kiev. This complex, though, will be not just about the famine. It'll be about lots of different crimes against the people of Ukraine. So when I first came to Ukraine 25 years ago, I got very interested in the history. People always ran over Ukraine. They always took Ukraine. They wanted their land. They wanted their access to the Black Sea. So the first time that Ukraine really had a chance for independence in 1991. They were independent for two years after World War I. Everybody ran over Ukraine. So I became very fascinated with Ukraine's history and the fact that they had this great opportunity, but also the fact that many of the crimes against Ukraine uh, were not well known. They were hidden. You know, the communists did everything possible to, to uh, say there was not a hold of them more. So I became very interested. And then, of course, under communism, um, you could not paint about what was going on. You could not write about it. You could not take a photograph. It was covered up. So I got very interested in Ukrainian artists. Did they depict uh, the crimes against the people of Ukraine? Well, they couldn't before. So I started looking for artists after 1989. So I found a group of poster artists that had painted about Chernobyl, about destruction of culture, and about Holodomor and the Gulag. So I started collecting this, trying to gather it all up in one place so we would have a, a visual uh, presentation through the eyes of Ukrainian artists about the crimes against communism. So now we have a large collection. It's all here in Kiev. And we hope to uh, work with the museum here once they get it built. Because, uh, again, it's very important for the art community to express themselves uh, and to talk about uh, Ukraine's history and what happened here.
The National Holodomor Museum will be a living memorial to Holodomor victims, with an art gallery and a research center focused on not only the Holodomor, but the fight for freedom, dignity, and human rights in the world, as well as opposed crimes against humanity. It's highly important to remember the Holodomor and past mass human rights crimes against Ukraine. If we allow Russia to erase awareness of this tragic period of history, what is to say that they won't continue? The answer is that the Russians are already continuing. The Soviet Union then, and Russia today, have adamantly suppressed the facts and voices of those that has slaughtered, detained, and oppressed. As Russia's occupation of Crimea continues five years on, Russian forces have forcefully removed cultural artifacts out of the peninsula and destroyed the archives that record history about Holodomor and Crimean Tatars. They continue to push their agenda of Russian empire building, and in doing so, deny the suppression of actual history, the hounding of oppositions, and annihilation of indigenous peoples. <laughs>